The following is a production of Galactic Netcasts. Welcome to Elsner's, a production of Galactic Netcast. I'm Gregor Sprague. And I'm Corey Scott. For all info on this show, including show notes and subscription links, go to elsnerds.com. And for other Galactic Netcast programs, go to gncast.com. On Elsnerds, we will swear, we will tell you things that you might want to read or watch for yourself, so we will spoil things. And sometimes, if you're really lucky, we'll do a whole show and nobody will ever see or hear it. Secret shows! Secret Um, shows. So, yeah, if you didn't catch it live last week you missed out you we will t- not catch the memorex yeah you will we ain't doing that shit over again folks um you missed it we had all this fun we su- we admitted who we were going to vote for in the next election um we admitted future plans of trying to take over the world stuff like there that. was full frontal nudity there yeah. was full well i mean there was frontal nudity fullness is his opinion we played the the pilot episode to monty python's flying circus called full frontal nudity yeah it was awesome please showed up yeah john the whole crew you know they even got terry gilliam not the whole crew well i mean come on the, everyone who is alive still come on let's not be i met eric idol we couldn't get eric idol oh yeah that's he true was he was busy line. make the spam a lot money yeah but all that being said um it's great to be back don't kick us off youtube please don't kick us off so Corey, how's your week been it seems like it's been like forever since i've talked to you it has been almost 23 hours <laughs> yeah i was on podcast of terror this week talking 10 cloverfield lane if you want to know my opinions on it go watch the podcasts gncast.com slash pot um other other things um i've been reasonable i got some new headphones so i can cover up my yearly bits and hear your sultry tones uh sometimes i just like to take the headphones off and rub them right up against my nipples and i think that's good for everybody certainly good for me maybe not good for your nipples but okay well Um, there's some chafing (laughs) i'm into it but yeah so i quit working at the place i was working at before uh for those of you in america you might have heard of this gncast.com slash support yeah gncast.com slash support wait wait none of the money goes to me damn it but no i quit work- thought that through. yeah i quit working at dollar general no ill will towards the my co-workers it was just like i'm done let's just leave and it's great like saturday i slept in till 10 i hadn't done that since i started working at dollar general i didn't um, work saturday either and i didn't sleep until 10 so well i think the other thing that helped is because you could see right here the pillow closest to me for audio listeners to watch the video but it's like right below below this window and so the sun will come in and i'll be i'll wake up at like 7 30 go back to sleep and then wake up at eight but sunday it, or saturday it rained and it rained hard so i'm like oh what time is it 10 10 holy cow i've not been able to do that in a good long time (laughs) but it was awesome so yeah let's talk some news so i don't know if you guys remember all all you listeners john stewart used to host the daily show over on comedy central um he left that and then he the news came that he was going to be working with hbo and he with his news thing now we didn't know okay is he going to be doing a show with john like last week tonight or something like that but it turns out he's doing an animated cartoonish show he'll be not just an animated john stewart dancing around in front of a camera for an hour yeah but he he'll be doing 
he'll, he'll be doing this. It's an animated show about the news, and it sounds like it's going to be pretty, pretty like technically cool, because it sounds like it will be coming out. The animation will have to be really, really quick. Uh, it's probably similar to what they do with South Park, except with South Park, they're writing stories at the same time. This is reporting the news and doing animation. Maybe it's akin to that. Is it Korea or Japan that does the stuff that looks like the Sims the, the and Taiwan. they do the news? <laughs> the, the Taiwanese news recreations that they do in 3D. And so here's I, here's from uh, HBO programming president Casey Blois, who who unveiled this. This is a quote from him. He said, uh, the idea is it will be an animated parody of a cable news network with an onion-like portal. Um, the idea that John wants to do and why he wants to... The idea that John wants to do and why he wants to do animation is all, is it always allows him to comment in real time on what's happening on, on the day's events. It'll be animation, but allows him to respond to things very quickly. It'll be more simple animation, but in terms of the technical detail, I don't know enough to tell you it doesn't allow him to... It does allow him to respond very quickly to the day's news. Yeah, I mean, the animation style, obviously I'm not expecting anything to the heights of animation glory as, say, the new Ice Age movie, which is great because that movie's tanking. But with flash animation, with digital animation, it seems like we've gotten to a point where if you have some semi-skilled people and some prep work done, it, it's not unlikely that they can get some quick turnaround on this stuff. And it's just, again, we got all a jittery because Jon Stewart showed up on Stephen Colbert over the last couple of weeks, and it's nice to have that guy back apparently, in any way, shape, or form or capacity. Yeah, apparently, looking at the article, that it says uh, the animation technique was developed by cloud graphics company Otoy Inc., and has been used on CBS's Late Show with Stephen Colbert, which is executive produced by Jon Stewart. So we've probably already seen the animation style out there, which is pretty cool to think of because I've I've caught uh, Stephen Colbert every once in a while because um, usually it's like I just turn it on to Comedy Central, watch Daily Show, Nightly Show at midnight, and then go to bed or read comics or whatever. But this... Yeah, it, I mean, I'd be okay with Jon Stewart just doing like a dev null type of thing like Leo Laporte did back in the day and them just doing a Max Hedrumish version of him on the screen. I don't care. I just want Jon Stewart to tell me how to feel about the world again. Yeah. And we're skipping over one of the big things. It's not just a TV show. It's not just going to be like YouTube things. It's a, like a website that he's developing here that he's going to be doing news for. So it's, like, that's the thing, like, when they said onion-like portal, it's not just like, oh, here's the onion, and we're going to be doing doing things that they do where it's, like, parody news. No, it's a whole website brand thing, almost. Yeah, I, I'm kind of, like, not 100% sure of the ins and outs of what it's going to be in the end, uh, how much they're able to pull off, and... I, sure between hbo and john stewart they'll be able to do a great job but overall just nice to hear because i thought seriously he just retired and went off to live in a cabin in the woods <laughs> um yeah so stay tuned for that the next bit of news i'm both excited but yet cautious about and that is the voice of batman cast as marvel's new shield director now no tim conroy is not directing or is not coming kevin on shield, or kevin conroy yeah sorry uh is not coming on it's jason omara who voices batman now like he, he voiced him in uh justice league versus teen titans but he is coming on as the new director of of shield and uh this is all according to, to deadline 
and no one knows exactly who he's playing. Um, but the Hollywood tr- uh, trade describes the character as someone whose Marvel roots go back to the 40s. And my problem with this is because they mention in here that he was in the TV, the USA Network series, Complications. And I, c- I couldn't watch that show because of the fact that every time he talked, I pictured him as Batman. You know, because it's the same voice. Because he, he's Australian. Yeah, go ahead. I, I haven't watched any of the modern DC animation. Like, the stuff that I've tried when the New 52 stuff started going over to the uh, the screen, I wasn't really into. Uh, even before that, like, Flashpoint didn't do anything for me. But I still remember him from the American version of Life on Mars, which I watched the whole season of uh, in America. It's called Seasons, not Series. And he was perfectly fine in that it's just i'm not sure exactly why shield would be pulling someone outside of characters that we've already known to have associations with shield i i guess kobe smolder would would be a hard get on tv right now although she's not doing a ton of movies but maria hill would be a first instinct she should be in charge I, obviously Samuel Jackson, no, and Nick Fury, no, with the state of things in the Marvel Universe, and maybe she's just working for him in, like, Secret Shield. That, that's kind of the thing, is Shield has sort of gotten back together, done some stuff, but are still not really, those people aren't in charge anymore, so we've got this, the fucking new guy, the FNG, is the fucking new guy showing up and telling everybody how it is. Also, t- ties to the 1940s you have to wonder if that has anything to do with Peggy Carter which unfortunately that show is not coming back to series uh, if it has something to do with even older characters that Marvel has some people have said you know where does Namor lay right now uh, I assume he sleeps with the fishes uh, the original human church there's there's a lot of old characters from the 40s but how much do we always have to go back to the the time displaced or the old time connection things unless it's like he's the generational son to somebody but we already saw that with the guy who was with Mac uh, was it Trip? no, no Mac. it was Trip Mac isn't related to anybody oh was it? there was the guy who yeah it was the guy who came in when we hadn't found out that Ward was evil yet in the first season and then he died basically when Daisy got her powers, oh, I, uh, I think his Mac name is Trip. Yeah, it, it's been yeah, a while. It's trip. But I thought and it was I really Mac like for, that character. But he was a generational character. Yeah. His his grandfather had been part of the the Howling Commandos with Captain America, so it really sucked to lose that character for that aspect. Plus, I liked the actor and I liked his character on the show. Um, so if they do that sort of thing again, it's like, well, that that sort of feels old hat at this point. I don't know what this is going to bring. But Jason Amara is, you know, perfectly good actor. Uh, some non-successful shows. Life on Mars one season. Terra Nova, I don't even know if it made it that long. It, made, uh, it didn't get picked up two. for... Yeah, Terra Nova didn't get picked up for an extended se- uh, season. But it had, a, it had one season. Complications, I think, had two seasons. But I don't know anything else about it 
Um, you did bring up a like some an idea. Oh, it only went one season. Sorry. Um, complications only went one season. Um, I could see Jason O'Mara being Jim Hammond, the original Human Torch. Be- right. I I I, I could th- I think that would work. Um, pretty well, if I'm being honest, and also be pretty cool, you know, because it's a way to have a human torch, but not have to have the rights from Fox because they don't want to get rid of it for some stupid reason. Yeah, I mean, the the other side of it is we've lost some really good characters on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, obviously, Hunter and Bobby left the show to get their own spinoff series last season, and then that series, even after reshooting the pilot, didn't get picked up. I would much rather see them come back than invest in yet another character and... who may or may not be around for a while. Ward, unless he comes back as a life model decoy, is is probably gone, and he was on there from the beginning of the, of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy that was Lincoln... That was yeah. dating Daisy last season. I could give a rat's ass about, but <laughs> it's just like so here's another Hunter, guy with stubble. Yeah, here's so another Hunt- white guy who doesn't shave regularly is joining Agents of Shield, and I, I just I don't know. We'll so have to see. I I really have a complicated love affair with the show. Is I think it's potentially so good. I think it's hit some really high points, and then it's hit some low points, and I think it's sort of been at a lull. And I'm way the fuck tired of the whole um, the what are they? The goddamn Inhumans, non mutants, Inhumans. Yeah, I just I think the Inhumans thing really killed my enjoyment of the show and hurt the momentum of the the show. So, um, I'm going to address a couple things there that you said, um, specifically with the characters. Um, I saw a report that said that uh, Adrian Palicki, who plays uh, Mockingbird, won't be coming back as a series regular, but will be coming back to make appearances because she's going to be on a Fox show. She's going to be on Seth MacFarlane's show, yeah. uh, live-action comedy set in space. Uh, the last live-action comedy show from Seth MacFarlane wasn't that Dad's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like she'll be available. Um, well, <laughs> so probably not for this season, but, but Hunter, I think, could come back. You know, because I don't think he's doing anything... Unless they're going to do a second series of uh, Babylon over in the UK for Channel 4, in which he was on, he was on that show, which was so fucking great, and they need to do a season, or series two, but, I don't know, we'll, we'll find out later, because it, or, actually on September 20th, when Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. returns for its fourth season on ABC. Um... The next one is actually something that I'm a little interested in because I've recently started watching this show, and it's Netflix will be releasing new episodes of Black Mirror on October 21st. Um, And this is actually sent out 
um, and a through a very cryptic tweet on the Black Mirror's official Twitter page that just simply said 86 days. Longest period ever. No, uh, <laughs> I haven't had a chance to watch Black Mirror. I, I keep hearing about it. It keeps getting one of those things. I, I, a lot of sci-fi people talk about it. A lot of horror people talk about it. So you'd think it'd be right smack dab in my radar simply because I'm on this fucking network and I do the horror theme show on air. But I don't know. I just, for some reason, as great as some of the things that I've been watching on Netflix originals have been, this one just keeps skipping by me. And I don't know if it's because it's an anthology or if it's if it is because it's sci-fi. I'm not sure why I haven't watched it yet. But I think maybe looking at a semi-rigorous, beautiful face of John Hamm in the picture that they have here, uh, that might pull me in. So here's here's the other cool thing about this. Um, so we have, I think, six episodes coming out this season, or series, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, and Charlie Brooker is coming back to helm the show. And you have... But you have uh, directors, some great talent directing stuff, including Joe Wright, who did Atonement or Atonement and Pan, Dan Trachtenberg, who directed Ten Cloverfield Lane, which you'll hear me talk about on Podcast of Terror, and the show will also feature actors such as Russell or Wyatt Russell from Twenty Two Jump Street, uh, Mackenzie Davis from Halt and Catch Fire and The Martian, Bryce Dallas Howard from Jurassic World, and Alice E from Star Trek Into Darkness. And it just sounds so fucking cool. And, I mean, it is one of these, like, like I've seen one and a half episodes, because I'm still, I'm halfway through the second episode, and the first episode of Black Mirror, it was interesting. It was, you know, and it, it is one of those things, it is an anthology show, which with each episode changing um, as you go on. But the cool thing is, is that the themes that they're talking about in here, like watching the first episode, it was, it was, it was basically like cyber terrorism because you have these, this group of people coming in going, we have the princess. If you want her back, you have to perform, um, basically perform sex with a pig. Here are your the specifications and how you have to do it. So we know it's not faked. And then they go on about that. They even had like these polls that were showing of people like, oh, do you think you should do it? Do you think you shouldn't do it? And how it changed over all these, like all as time progressed. And then the second episode was, was totally different. It was about, it, it was this like, just this future where I was hoping that it wasn't going to be another Sex of the Pig episode. No, like what no. a strange theme to run through the entire series. No, it, it was actually really cool, really cool, really different. Because what it was is you follow this one guy who I've seen on other shows. I cannot think of his name right now. Um, where he he's almost in like this factory thing where his job is he rides a bicycle, and it's called uh, the episode's called fifteen million uh, fifteen million merits, and it's like their currency is. Uh, merits and you get merits by uh, riding a stationary bicycle 
and on there you can do other you can like watch other videos or or you know play games and all these other things and it's really intriguing as to where that episode is going to go and i haven't seen the ending so i don't know the, the twist to it yet but um but this is a show that has caught my eye and it's one of those things like watching it now i'm like I should have been watching this a long, like when it came out, you know, and been one of the people like, oh my gosh, you need to watch this because I see what everyone's talking about now. And it's only got me more excited, you know, put aside the fact that you got Joe Wright and Dan Trachtenberg uh, directing episodes, um, but that it's just so cool. It's like we got all, it's like great people making great content is what you got here. Yeah, it it like I said, I, I a couple weeks ago I went through Stranger Things in one sitting, and uh, now I have. And then you watch the TV show Stranger Things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the the last bit of news, and I didn't realize that uh, the actress was who was who was in in here is who it was, but Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum and Jillian Bell are to start in a splash remake for Disney. This is pretty cool, pretty interesting. Um, Disney's in early discussions with Brian Grazer and Ron Howard's Imagine Entertainment about rebooting Splash, one of the production's ba- uh, production banner's early classics. Channing Tatum and Jillian Bell are attached to star in the remake, written by Maria Lewis Ryan. The interesting part about this is Channing Tatum will be playing the Mer merman um and who which was the daryl hannah role in the original and jillian bell will be playing the the young lady which was originally the tom hanks role um and yeah this is part of me i don't know how i feel about this because oh it's a reboot it's a remake you know, come up with an original idea, fuckers, sort of thing. Well, I mean, obviously, the the key difference, first of all, is that Channing Tatum, because he's playing Merman, will first have to kill Bradley Whitford. But also, that's Cabin in the Woods reference. Wait, it's... was Channing Tatum in Cabin in the Woods? No, shut up. Bradley Whitford was. He's the one who wanted to see the Merman. You have no idea what I'm talking about. You're not my audience. Okay. <laughs> So, I was a big fan of Splash as a kid. My mom and I went and saw it in the theater. It was one of the first breakout movies with Tom Hanks. Uh, It was the first time that I think we'd seen Daryl Hannah. John Candy was in it. It was just, all in all, a really sweet, perfect little movie. Now, I remember it as perfect because I was young, and uh, you can't take the sky from me, but... It may not be perfect. It may be one of those things that I'm just remembering through rose-colored memories. So, obviously, Jillian Bell and Channing Tatum were in 22 Jump Street together. And if you look at 22 Jump Street, which is a sequel that didn't need to happen to 21 Jump Street, which is a movie that took the TV series in a very different direction... Uh, made it into a super comedy from something it was. I'm not looking at this and thinking this is going to be a straight-up remake of Splash. It just doesn't seem likely with these two people in the lead. And the fact that they're doing a verse of it, I just... 
it may not be as over the top comedic as 21 Jump Street and 22 Jump Street were because it's Disney but I just don't see it going as straight as the other film was and the other one was like a lot of heart a lot of sweetness there was comedy to it uh, Eugene Levy was in it had a lot of great moments but Overall, I just I think it's going to be a different film. It's just going to be using the name Splash and the the very basic premise. I gave up a long time ago the idea of ever having a Splash sequel, which mm-hmm. I would have loved at that point in time. There was potential there. Certainly before John Candy died, uh, once he would pass away, it made it even less enticing. And in a lot of ways, that's like the recent remake of Ghostbusters. We all wanted another Ghostbusters, but then Harold Ramis passed away. And up until that point, Bill Murray kept saying he wasn't interested in doing it anyways. So does Ghostbusters coming out and being a remake and having uh, gender reverse roles ruin Ghostbusters? No. I love Ghostbusters. I love Ghostbusters too, and I know that it's actively a bad movie. Uh... So I am perfectly okay with the new Ghostbusters existing. It doesn't shit on my rose-colored remembrance of my childhood. Not in the way that the prequels of Star Wars did, because they were in the actual Star Wars universe. They affected changes in the Star Wars films that I grew up in. Like, shit had to change in my Star Wars movies for these movies to fucking shoehorn in there. Uh, that was that was bullshit. That's shitting on somebody's childhood. Yeah. That's like fucking ruining good movies to make bad movies happen. This doesn't do that. I mean, so far from the claim, that's not what this is supposed to do. And likewise, Ghostbusters didn't do that. It It's just, it's a new movie. Same name, same themes kind of updated for today's comedy and with today's actresses but it gets to stand on its own this can do the same thing so I'm because I like as as much as it surprised me I've grown to really like Channing Tatum a lot because of comedy roles like 21 and 22 Trump Street him and his wife doing lip sync battle they were great they were really fun on that and he just seems like a, a cool guy you know he busted into the scene doing dance movies and then came back when he was getting to be Mr. Hollywood It Guy and looking like a stud and doing action films and did comedies and did a movie where he also danced and took his clothes off based off of his his sort of life story. I can't find fault with the dude. I think Jonah Hill said this when he worked with me. He's like, I really want to fucking hate him because he's so good looking, (laughs) but he's also really fucking funny and talented. Uh, and I, I get that, but you can't hate him because he's just, he's an awesome guy. Uh, yeah. Jillian Bell, uh, also from 22 Jump Street, but from Workaholics. I really like her on Workaholics. Uh, and from Idiot Sitter. I don't know if you've seen Idiot Sitter, but that is so freaking I've good. I have not watched that. But she's funny. I think she's very funny. I think she's very talented. So I can't find any fault with this at all. And, and, I can't imagine too many people are like Splash is like that's my entire world and how dare you fuck with Splash I loved Splash you know my friends and I quote Splash which is amazing because I don't think I've seen it since the 80s 
uh, still remember certain lines from it that just stand out as funny to us. And I can't take issue with it, so I can't imagine who else is. But I'm sure with the internet being what the I internet think... is, someone's going to social justice warrior this shit and say, I don't fuck see... you. I don't see the social justice warrior thing coming out. I th- because I they see- switch roles, because they switch genders, and so anytime genders to switch, doesn't matter which is which, it's going to cause somebody to scream. Social justice warriors are fucking up Hollywood and fucking up storytelling. There, like there will be that, like oh yeah, they're only doing it because uh like Hollywood and all that stuff, and why can't it be a mermaid and all that? You'll you'll get those dicks, yeah. But yeah, I think that's what I'm saying. That's what the internet's for. I th- I think what you'll probably get more of than that is people going, "Well, oh, they got to remake this movie. It wasn't even that good, or the original wasn't even that good, or you know whatever." Just people talking shit like that, which I get. I get that part because it's like, yeah, why can't Hollywood come up with an original thing? But at the same time, it's like it's Hollywood. They want your money. Sort of Hollywood is is we're not going to lie and say Hollywood doesn't seem bereft of new ideas and new concepts and the inspiration to try new things. They're scared shitless. But when you look at how well uh, all the sequels have done this summer, and by well I mean not fucking at all, I think maybe they should get a fucking clue mm-hmm. and try to come up with some new stuff. But until they do, I'm not going to shit on a remake just because it's a remake i will piss and moan if someone takes a great movie and redoes it and it looks like it was just totally phoned in like the total recall remake which was just hot messy garbage but you put that aside and you look at the fright night remake and the fright night remake was actually pretty good i would have looked at both of them from trailers and said fuck you fuck you fuck you but in reality watching them i got to see one was a good movie and one was a bad movie and all i really want ever is good movies and and recognizing that every movie is there to please me still at least throw some fucking heart and effort to into it mm-hmm. and if you're not going to put the effort forward in coming up with a new story at least put the effort into doing that story well yeah, and maybe the one that's done well. No, yeah, definitely. Um, so, Corey, you want to talk about your your nerding out? Because I sort of want to change mine. Like, like I'm torn because I realized there was something else that I saw that I really want to talk about. And like, all right. So, uh, Friday nights in my life. I go and I hang out with friends, and we usually do uh, D&D or some version of D&D. We are playing in the Numenera system, which is created by Monty Cook, and using it as the rule system for what is essentially a D&D, or in our case, a Starjammer campaign. Uh, it's very complicated and weird, but some nights people just don't show up. And so those that are left of us are kind of like, well, let's do something else so we don't try to run these extra couple characters and make things more complicated and less fun and have to explain the storyline to everybody the next week. Uh, So this Friday, 
my my friends Chris and Cisco, their son, their son and daughter are teenagers now, which is weird. It's it's <laughs> difficult to uh, face one's mortality in in the face of young children. That when I showed up in California, they weren't here, and and now they exist and have opinions and are actually really cool kids. So while looking for something to do, Julian the boy recommended oh let's play this game that I have called uh, One Night Ultimate Werewolf and it is interesting there's there's a few expansions there's One Night Ultimate Werewolf Daybreak and One Night Ultimate Vampire and they can all kind of work together but what it is is you're dealt out cards and there's certain personas for each card so there's a werewolf uh, there may be something called a seer, a uh, robber, a uh, troublemaker, and all these cards, some of them are given to each individual player, and you have to play with anywhere from three players on up, although we were playing with six. Um, so each person gets a card at the beginning, and then three cards go down in the middle of the table, and then you use an app for your phone, and the phone basically knows which cards are in play, and gives instructions for what people to do. So it will start off and it will say, everybody has to close their eyes and you know not touch anything. And then it says, okay, werewolf, open your eyes and go and do this to one of the cards or switch cards with another player or switch one of the cards in the middle or something and then have them close their eyes. And then it'll say, okay, seer, open your eyes. Now werewolf, uh, put out your thumb, like do a thumbs up so that the seer can see who the actual werewolf is. Which is great because you're trying to find the werewolf in the game. But the next person will then have to move cards around. And then the next person will switch cards around and do all these different things. So the seer may think they know who the werewolf is at first, but by the time the round is done and everybody's made their moves or done their motions the card may have moved to somebody else. So even the person who was the werewolf might still think that they're the werewolf because they can't touch their card again or look at it again. And then when everything is finished, it stops, everybody opens their eyes, and they have five minutes, and it's timed by the, the app, to argue out who's the werewolf. So the idea is to pinpoint who the werewolf is, guessing, talking out. Now, some people will lie, but most of them are trying to get to the same thing. Who's the werewolf? and point to that person and you'll go back and forth and you're like well I'm not buying in your bullshit I think you're the werewolf and then everybody will kind of point back and forth now there's another character uh, I think it's the the Tanner or the Mason whose ability not ability but the thing that they're trying to do is they're trying to oh it's the minion they're trying to make people not choose the werewolf but to choose them so the object of them is to protect the werewolf by sacrificing themselves. So they're going to try to convince people that they're the werewolf instead. So it's all this... It's really fun to see people like try to, one, map out where the cards might have been moved and who was what originally and who they might be now to then finish off and say, okay, you're the werewolf. And the people, if you choose the werewolf, then the other players win. But if you choose the minion, then the minion wins. Uh, or if you choose anybody but the werewolf, the minion wins because the werewolf wasn't discovered. And then you could add in things like there's a, 
like a mystical werewolf so that you might have two werewolves in play essentially but the mystical werewolf has extra abilities it all changes up depending on which cards are in there and then the app is cool because it can change the narrator uh, it could be a guy's voice who our friend Robin kept insisting sounded like the voice from the haunted mansion uh, it can be a woman's voice that can do different kind of accents so it's pretty intense in how well it plays out uh, and the more stuff you add to it certainly the more players that you have makes it it can make it more enjoyable but you also have to kind of lay out where when you're moving things you don't want people to hear what you're doing I almost would think it would make more sense to have people in like headphones that are noise canceling so they're all hearing the app play through the headphones but they can't hear each other making their moves and stuff uh, but it works out pretty well and it's it was a fun game the the whole thing takes about 10 minutes you go through a whole round of the game the entire game is essentially it's 10 minutes long and most of that is the five minutes of arguing so it moves really quick it's a great game especially if people are like drinking and just hanging out and having a good time and wondering why the fuck people didn't show up to play D&D this night assholes <laughs> uh, so yeah um, and as a person who more or less just sat and watched everybody else and instigated shit from the background uh, I had a really good time watching it so not an expensive game either the sets are like less than 20 bucks each on Amazon we've got a link to one that'll be in the show notes uh, for the first game the the ultimate werewolf game but the other ones are things that you can put on to your shopping cart as well yeah, looking at this, I was looking at this, and as you're explaining it, I'm like, because at first I'm like, oh, it's just a card game version of Werewolf, where, you know, you have a narrator, they all put, or everyone closes their eyes, narrator's doing the narration, and all that, but then I'm like, wait, this sounds so much cooler than... I mean, it's 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 amped up. It I've heard of the Werewolf game, I think they've talked about it on Twitter a few times, but I've never played it before. And this sounds like, yeah, like a higher-end version of that. Well, honestly, because all it is, all the werewolf game is, or at least the one that I'm thinking of, is it's you just have the th three or four roles. Um, the werewolf, the detective, which is the seer, the medic, and then civilians. Um, right, villagers. Yeah, the, or villagers, you know, whatever. And so they just go around. You do okay, werewolf. Who do you, who do you kill? Uh, detective or you know, seer. Who's who do you think's the werewolf? Uh, doctor. Who do you heal? Sort of deal. And then lights are up. And then the narrator has. But the problem with that, and that's why I never liked being the narrator, is you have to come up with the narration. You have to come up with this story. And I'm not that right. I'm not that creative on the spot, sort of deal. To where this and it now does everyone have to have the app or can it be like one person has the app on their it's phone? It's just the app playing by itself, one phone. So okay, cool. No one else needs the app. It's it's just the phone is essentially the narrator, so it's telling you. But you program it to tell it these are the cards that we've got in play, and then you get to choose the choices of. You know what voice it uses, and and what music, the background music and stuff is too. We did a disco one, and it actually was, it just adds ambiance if you wanted to add ambiance, or it just makes it sillier. Uh, but the fact that it can include <laughs> other cards from other 
uh, games that are expansions essentially for it means you can really find a lot of different things to do. You can make it super complicated or you can make it really easy. And it's up to you uh, how drunk you are in the night. Yeah. Because like, cause the other thing that has been fun is two weeks ago in my college group, we just played board games. We played Exploding Kittens, which is so fucking fun to play. And I want to get the expansion. I want to get Exploding Kittens and then the expansion pack. But Imploding then- Kittens. Yeah, and then also get the uh, NSFW version because we have the PG version because, you know, church-going people. But I'm like, oh, I want to get that other one, see what's in there as well. And then the uh, we played uh, Quelf, and that was freaking f- so fun. You know, and I'm sitting there going, okay, if there's a card in here that tells me I have to speak like Yoda, I'm like, nope, I'm done. Because I lost to a, in a game like that already. Like, oh, you guys speak like Yoda. And I'm like, all right, does that mean the voice too? Or I, I took it upon myself, like, okay, I'll do the voice as well. And halfway through, I was still talking, doing the Yoda s- sentence structure. I just wasn't going, mm, and all that. And they're like, oh, you, you're not doing it. I'm like, fuck you, I was doing it, you assholes. Sort of deal. Um, but no, this whole thing looks good. Um, there's yeah, there's three with it. There's uh, three different uh, packs: uh, one night ultimate werewolf, one night ultimate werewolf daybreak, and then one night ultimate vampire. And yeah. all of them are done by Beezier Games. Yeah, um, and my friends are all tomorrow. Actually, they're on their way out to Gen Con, uh, which is probably where they got this originally. Uh, they go every year. And so this week you'll probably see a lot more cool games come out like this. Yeah. But this is a, for a quick, simple, like lighthearted, let's just play this a couple of times through and kill a half hour. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. Yes, and lighthearted because the other game that we played two weeks ago was Space Team. Good God, that game is hard to play. Because <laughs> I, don't know if you, I don't know if you've heard of Space Team, but you have... And it's, I think it's like a two to six p uh, six player game. We played with seven because we're rule breakers like that. And you each have, you deal all the cards um, to everyone, you know, so it's evenly distributed. And then you go and you have to basically make the ship. You have five minutes to make this ship. Everyone's going at the same time and you can only pass to the person to your left or to your right. Well, we had one one girl in there who was just shouting, and I'm like, and I'm sitting there trying to be loud as well, but like, I need this, I need, and it's it's hard because you don't, unless you've played the game and you know all the things, it's like, I need the purple toilet seat, or I need the, whatever, you're trying to describe the part, and then no one's listening because we're all talking, and it's like, shut up, it's a hard deal, but it's fun. But no, yeah, so those are... Those are great. Uh, great games right there. Uh, One Night Ultimate Werewolf. I think I'm going to try to pick that up. Be like, Grandma, I want to get this. <laughs> um, so the show I'm going to talk about, I'm, I'm doing a little bit of a change of pay plans here, um, but so I don't have to change the title. Uh, Degrassi Next Next Class, they had season two out. Really good. They're talking, they talk a lot about um, race this season, which is really interesting. Um, an interesting subject to hit on. And yeah, I highly recommend it if you like Degrassi or um, they even had uh, cameos by 
um, a lot of the the original actors from the show. So like uh, they had Spinner on there. They had um, oh Snake's daughter or stepdaughter on there. I can't think of what her name was. And then uh, one of her friends and just like a whole bunch of other people. I'm like, oh, wow, this is awesome. Um, but yeah, Degrassi first, uh, next class is on Netflix, but the other one I want to talk about is also a Netflix original and it's the fundamentals of caring. This is a Netflix original movie, uh, that stars Paul Rudd, Selena Gomez, and I'm blanking on the kid's name, but I know him from, uh, Submarine, a movie directed by Richard Iowate. Um, and this movie is so good. Um, the basic premise is you have um, Paul Rudd, who is Ant-Man, acting like the having the mental state of Batman in Dawn of Justice, um, in that he's dealing with a tragedy still. Um, although, like Dawn of Justice, he should have got over that shit, but in here, it's still fairly recent. Um, and it, at, at the tragedy that he's going getting over goes through or is revealed as you go on and on. And he decides that he is going to be, while he's getting divorced, he's going to be a caregiver um, for someone who needs care. And the person that he cares is caring for is a kid that has um, um, a variation of muscular dystrophy. Um, it's like a super rare version. And the kid is a dick at first and then he continues um uh he continues to be a dick but you see that he's doing it more joking not just to be a dick um like one of the funny things is he he was like he he was like acting like he was choking he's like sitting there going <clears throat> just to get the reaction and then he's like oh you're just joking and you're joking, not choking. And then they continue on and they decide, Oh, we're going to have a road trip because he, one of the things that the kid likes is, and I say kid, he's like, I think 19 years old, but it is he watches TV and he sees all these little like roadside attraction things like the, the world's biggest cow or you know the biggest ball of yarn or the deepest pit um, and all that. And Paul Rudd's character is like, well, why don't we go see them? You know, because here you you like all these you like all these different things. You plotted them out on your map. Why don't we just go take you there? So they go. Hilarity ensues, like it usually will, in these type of movies. Um, they meet Selena Gomez's uh, Selena Gomez's character, and um, you see this budding romance happening between the two of between the boy and Selena Gomez, and. You learn one of his dreams that if he could do anything would be to pee standing up. So there's these moments where you see them trying to get him to pee standing up, which is hilarious because you just see Paul Rudd holding him as he's trying to go and all this. All of it ends in a great way to where I was watching this with my grandma and she started laughing at the end and I, I don't want to spoil, well, I'll spoil the one. They strap him to a board and he pees into the world's deepest pit. So there's just a scene where you see people looking up like, what is going on? As he's there just, yes, I pee. <laughs> like the world's biggest payoff sort of deal. 
it's so good. I love this movie. Um, it is one of those feel-good movies um, out there, and it's it's great. That's all I can say, really say about it. Is it's just it's a great movie. Um. So yeah. Um, Sounds good. Yeah, so we're going to be joined by Beatmaster because for our discussion topic, we're going to steal a premise a little bit from Podcast of Terror um, because in our discussion thing, we actually have reference reference points here, but we're going to be talking about Preacher and Beat is going to join us on camera, well, on video, talking, however you want to put it, about the show. Evan, you're more than welcome to join if you want as well. Um, so... Preacher is a is a ten episode first season uh, from AMC that stars the three main stars I would say are Dominic Cooper, Joseph Gilgan, and Ruth Nega, who play Jesse Custer, Cassidy, and Tulip O'Hare in their for, in respectively. Um, and good God, I love this! I, I love this cast. I love this show. Um, even for not being like still having the book but not being through the first book of preacher i still enjoyed this for what it was and all that you know yeah i mean preacher we should mention is based off of a 90s comic book series by garth Ennis and steve dillon with uh glenn fabry was the cover designer for the series uh garth and steve are listed as producers on the show which is nice uh, because it's showing what great storytellers they are, even though this season of this series, at least, was basically... We we kind of wondered going along what this season was because it references a lot of stuff that, while it's kind of building us, the, the characters, as we discovered them in the first issue of the comic series, this whole season is essentially a prequel to the comic. The comic opens with the three main characters sitting in a diner talking about God and going to find God, going basically to look for him. And essentially the words that that Jesse Custer, the preacher, says is, well, when we find him, if he needs help, we'll help him. And if he just is out there not doing shit and doesn't want to be found, we'll kick the ever-living shit out of him. And that's essentially... That is the start of Preacher proper. And by proper, I mean the comic series uh, as it came out. But this season tells us the backstory with some, obviously, changes. uh, Certain characters that didn't really have a history that we knew of, at least in the comics, develop more of a history. Uh, Certain characters that come in the comics later on were used in this season that finishes in such a way that they may not return uh, or it's conceivably that they shouldn't return and some could return but we just don't know how yet Um, but the whole season takes place in this little town in Texas where Jesse has built up his church built his congregation it was actually his father's church originally and he's just trying to find a way to reach people, to make them see and hear the word of God. And he gets possessed with the power that 
has spiritual backgrounds, and we get explained through the series that it is the word of God, but it comes from a creature called Genesis, which is made up of a combination of an angel and devil that fell in love and had an offspring together. We have no idea why Genesis chooses Jesse. We only know that it happened, and he has this ability. There are two angels that are trying to track him down to get it back and have terrible luck in doing so. And at the end of the season, we get they basically introduce what is one of the other main characters from the comic series, the Sand of Killers, who they utilize basically to, well, we've tried everything we can to get Genesis back from this guy. It hasn't worked out. So we're going to go for the thing that is the more violent and uh, final option, which this guy basically is. Overall, it's it's hard to look at this. I know that Beat is probably going to talk a little about this. It's hard to look at this without the the feelings of this book was to many a reader perfect in and of itself you know this series came out took several long felt really long years to reach its final point uh, there were some side stories there was one shots for the character Arseface uh, there was mini series for the Sand of Killers there's a bunch of different things that kind of happened alongside of it but read from beginning to end I cannot say that I see personally any faults in Preacher as a book it was just this perfect title that just so told in an an enrapturing story um, that was just fantastic with great characters great art the whole time through and to see people come in and do Preacher that aren't those original two creators, although have the complete blessing of theirs, uh, to then tell stories that weren't from the comics is difficult. And then to see specific changes happen perceptibly from the comics is difficult. But in the end, I had a really good time watching the show. I think that there were scenes that were just so crazy, over-the-top, unexpected, and brilliant in how they were utilized. I think the characters, while not spot-on to how I would have pictured them, of uh, Tulip and Jesse, still came together really well, and I think Jesse maybe just had to get to the point where we'd recognize him more as the Jesse Custer that we're introduced to in Preacher Number 1, versus where he, this is a path that he has to go on in this series to get to that. Uh, Cassidy I think is perfect spot on from day one. Um, And I'm interested to see where each of them take these characters going forward. The thing is that there were other characters that were introduced to this that some of them I liked a lot. Some of them I despised, but I liked being able to despise them. And I'm a little bummed out that we won't get to see more of them. Uh, be it from the actor's perspective or from just the character's perspective. I, it's, it's 
weird to think that 10 episodes go by that we find out about all these people and their lives and now it's like well we're done with them you know somebody clear the table because now the the real story happens and all of that stuff that you've just kind of been invested in for the most part goes away yeah that is that is a weird thing to think about um but along the same lines I mean, for as as person who's read the book, isn't there like a lot more people that they can bring in, or characters that they can bring in for like season two and three, and all that? Or did they sort of shoot themselves in the foot? I mean, some characters that would have come in later, we we saw now. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, Arseface was someone who came in later. The, the moment I think that is one of me my like f- biggest moments in Preacher, the comic, I believe, if I remember correctly, happened to Arseface's dad, the sheriff, and is not happening in the show. And, and shouldn't happen to the character that was introduced to us in the show. But it was... Jesse tells the sheriff, go fuck yourself. And then the sheriff basically wanders off and severs his penis and shoves it up his own ass. Uh, that does not happen <laughs> in the show, and I don't think it could. Although they did seem to do some great things with the uh, penis removal character uh, who got his dick basically shot off by Jesse when they were trying to invade the church. But yeah. I don't know. I mean, one of the things that we've talked about before with the walking dead is that the walking dead does a good job of making both the comic series and the TV series different enough from each other that you feel like you can watch or read both and not lose any enjoyment because you know the story that's coming up. You can make comparisons. Now you may have a preference of one over the other, uh, either the events that happened or just the storytelling of one versus the other. But you can still at least see both and have those differences kind of make it happen. Uh, the problem is that if you're a purist, if you're somebody who's like, I just want to see a video representation of the thing that I read as a comic or as a thing that I've read as a book, you know, closer to what like Game of Thrones has done for the most part, then you're you're going to find disappointment in something like this. If you're looking at it and you're saying, well, I always thought that Jesse Custer should be played by this person, which back in the 90s, most people really thought was going to be John Travolta. John Travolta was very hot back then uh, after Pulp Fiction, and he just had that kind of that right look that I never quite saw it because to me he's still from Greece or he's Vinnie Barbarino. I only heard from Ben Affleck in this back in the nineties. He was also in the running. Yeah, I mean, there were people that were mentioned for that character that aren't there today. I've heard a lot of people over the last several years mention both Timothy Oliphant and Walter Goggins because of Justified, and the attitude of those characters certainly seemed to fit with the the ideas of what a Jesse Custer would be, or Goggins could show up as almost any different character in the preacher world and do an amazing job. He'd probably be hard to get at this point, but I just think that you, you can, uh, 
sit there and nitpick all day because it's never going to be perfect. It's never going to be 100% what you wanted. But I managed to just enjoy it as its own thing. And seeing it lead up to what it feels like is the perfect, okay, we told you that story so we can tell you the real story now. I feel a little bit better about that. So yeah, how I, do you feel? I want to actually make sure that people know we try to dance around spoilers for now, but we have to go full on spoiler at the moment to explain the things that are missing because they won't be revealed in the show later. They cut off that part. Like Odin dying in the last episode. I can imagine how it wouldn't play out well when they would go try to imitate the storyline they had in the book because that huge meat god you gonna uh, you saw in the comics I can't even uh, describe it without being very vulgar but it wouldn't be possible to do on TV so that's a way out I accept yeah they and no... they they utilize the idea of a god of meat yeah uh, they they gave him the moments of that's what he worships that's what he believes in in a in a way that worked for the television show. And I, I can't picture anybody better than Jackie Earl Haley playing him. He did such an amazing job. Uh, and I don't want to bash on the show because I have no real reason to. There are minor things. And it's, uh, that's even not nitpicking. It's like Emily is inconsistent in her character portrayal. The uh, change from uh, having the major as boyfriend and then dumping it to Cassidy for uh, food, it was hard to follow that evolution of the character. I I saw, I, then... I could see that evolution a little bit more because it wasn't like, all of a sudden she's like, oh, I'm going to feed him to Cassidy. It was, she loved that church. She loved that church, that place, and would do anything for it. Well, it, I don't even see that. I don't think she was doing it for the church. I think she was doing it for herself. And yeah. if you follow where Emily started in the very first episode, you know, obviously she works at the church. She she has a thing for Jesse, uh, but she she believes in what she's doing. But she's also kind of volatile. Uh, if you remember when she breaks her kid's iPad when she's sitting there in her van because she just kind of freaks out about like all the stress is getting to her she feels trapped mm -hmm. and I think that she like many of Jesse's flock is sitting there trying to find salvation find a way out find a way to not feel trapped anymore find direction and so her journey in this she seems outwardly innocent but we see that she's not we see that she's She's a reasonably good person, but she goes to dark places. And it, her relationship with the mayor is something that she's not proud of. She's not trying to build, but she's using him. She's like, okay, fine, you can stay the night, but I don't want you to be here when the kids get up in the morning because I don't want to explain that to them. I don't want this part of my life to bleed into the other part of my life. So That's she's a her leak, yeah. Yeah, she's, she's a duality, and she goes over to the dark side of that and when things kind of blow up you can see the relief wash over her as she's playing the organ and she starts playing 
96 teardrops on it. She just, everything went to shit, and she feels like, good. Uh, you know, this is her, this is her way out of my life is, is everything that I don't want it to be, and just doing total destruction is what sets her free, essentially. Especially after the fake god appearance, they were all destroyed inside, and the, yes, I can see that aspect. Well, unlike you two, I see a reason for the end of the season, the, the explosion, because that is an other motivation for the preacher, for Jesse, to go against God, to rebel, because he killed off that town in his view. Uh, or they miss a chance out when they don't put that in as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I see why they did it. And and if you go with the, the comic story, he says that his congregation, his church had all died, had all blown up. There was something bad that happened that, that killed them all. This was just like the entire fucking town. Now, I thought at the very least them going crazy and starting to destroy the church, well, the church getting destroyed would have been symbolically enough and he walks away from the church he walks but the blowing up could have been figurative it could have been literal but they went all out and they yeah. took out the entire fucking town like everybody there's the moment where emily is talking to her three kids and telling them like well nothing's really changed you know we don't believe in god anymore because we know now that god isn't there but your dad's still in heaven She's trying to make it all right, and at the same time saying, "It's we're going to act the same, even though everything's different." But that also means that her kids were there when the town blew up. Yeah. Like everybody that we've met, essentially, it it got confirmed by the the head writer of the show. Yeah, they're all gone. So you know, I, okay, I, I got a question. Jesse, Cassidy, and Tulip. Yeah. Who left town? And ours face because. He's in hell. He was in hell. But so I, I got a question for you. When they get to the and I, I have a spoiler gone gong if we're gonna get too heavily in the spoilers here in a second. Um, I think we just did. Yeah. So there's spoiler. <laughs> there we go. Spoiler Lovely. gong. Um, Everybody's gone for the Um. So when they did because they they did at, in the season finale they did that teleconference thing with God and they had the the angel there or the seraphi um acting as god and all that and then they're like he's not here did it all dawn dawn in your head like dogma like oh he's just in a coma over new jersey wanting to play skee-ball as alanis morris i mean that's that's certainly the idea of god being on walkabout and god having a, a day on earth and stuff that's that is one of the Possibilities. It, it's nice that they don't tell you specifically because they don't know either. But at the same time, it's strange that Fiore and DeBlanc, the two angels who've been here this whole time, haven't really mentioned anything about that or or said anything. So they've been freaking out like heaven's going to rain down on them because the the Genesis got away. As they're trying to fight with that, they don't seem to be in on the fact that God's not there themselves. Yeah. Was that fact confirmed that it was two angels and that they aren't the parents of Genesis? I had somehow that impression at times. 
that they were Genesis's parents. I mean, it's possible. They certainly we we do get the idea that they are a couple. Uh, DeBlanc calls Fiore my love when they're about to go to hell. But they, they both they seem to have to the, the problems getting into hell. They were intimate to the procedure how to handle Genesis and all that. And this serious, several times in the, when they were in the hotel and talked to each other, they gave up that impression. But I don't know. It could be a uh, red herring. I, I think that they both, obviously, it seems like they both work for heaven because they both have the, the same knowledge of heaven's calling us, so this is how we deal with them. They're both going back and forth. So if it was an angel and a devil, I don't think that the devil would have as much to pull from, other than the fact that they're fallen angels, I guess. It, it would it, be the guilty party, so yes, there would be. Heaven would say, no, that's your thing. You go ahead and clean up your own mess. Yeah, and the other thing is that DeBlanc gets killed, I, I'm going to assume final killed, by the Sand of Killers... Sand of so, like, his experience, they, they go into hell, but it seems like he would he would understand that or they would be better prepared if one of them was from hell originally. That makes me some think... some more ability to it. They wouldn't need to go to the travel agent to get there, I would also think. Excuse me, that makes me think that, um, who is it, uh, the the blank, if if we're gonna if Beatmaster's theory is right, would be the demon, and Fiore would be the angel. That created you know out of the creators of Genesis, because it was the blank who was leading them towards hell, and that would also explain how he would have been able to die. No, what... the reason he could die because remember the other angel that came after them, gets killed at the end by the saint as well. True. She's the one person who gets up who's walking out of the town and then the Saint of Killers comes up behind her and blows her away and finishes her off and while they don't explicitly say she's not coming back this time that's that's sort of the point of what the Saint of Killers is. That's why when Fiore gets off the bus it's just him and uh, no DeBlanc. Yeah. That's the thing they didn't imply at any moment. I don't know if the people that aren't familiar with the comics will get that, that the Saint of Killers kills are finite. Right. There's no coming back from. And was it in the Saint of Killers miniseries or was it in the first trade paperback when they show how he awakes from hell? Uh, it's been so long since I've read it, I don't remember. Gregor, you I should mean, know. I'm pretty it's sure the first. Um... I don't know myself because I th I haven't read any more of Preacher. Yeah, I mean, there are certain things that aren't there that we would expect. Like, we have no John Wayne uh, talking to uh, Jesse at all. Yeah. Which kind of... <laughs> I, th I think what's weird is that around the time that that came out, there was also... Uh, True Romance came out and in True Romance Christian Slater's character keeps talking to Elvis and so I think maybe they skipped over that just because whether advertently or not uh, it seemed like True Romance kind of stole the idea a little bit although it's been a long time 
I also wonder, like, why Cassidy has such an aversion to the the Big Lebowski, and if it has anything to do with the Cohen brothers, and if they're trying to make some aspersions, like if there's some backstory to that out of the the show, like if something happened along the way, or they feel that there are similarities. Or yeah. things that were quoted because I don't remember that from the comics either. Is him always talking about Coen Brothers movies or specifically the Big Lebowski? I think it's a reflection he makes to emphasize his age, like the Big Lebowski uh, contemplates his which is a very out of time movie. feeling. Yeah, and he's clearly stuck in the seventies, so I can see the similarities that they imply there, and I can join that part. It doesn't put me off. The thing is, Tulip, on foremost for me that. In the book, it's the book itself has very much of a zeitgeist that you have very much an 80s feel in it and various things you can't adapt to straight. You have to adapt it to the modern age, homophobic things and other things that shouldn't be right. televised. You have to accept that, that it was then a thing. But the character of Philip was for me like uh, Terminator, uh, what's her name? Sarah Connor? Sarah, uh, yeah, the character, but uh, her her portrayal, Linda Hamilton. Linda Hamilton. Uh, she was kind of like that, tough as nails, but uh, had depth depth to her character, and I was having the same thing from the book. But I told her, and she, she is very enjoying herself and having fun, and not dominated by by preacher by Jesse, but. Like uh, be, being unfaithful is uh, with uh, Cassidy or be, being off course isn't a thing that wouldn't happen that easily in the comics. It took his, its time, and so all the things happen so fast. I, I, I'm afraid that the character will uh, lose some of its edge and other things because they have to rush some things to get it on TV. That arc, I mean, definitely could feel a little bit changed because. What happens in the comics with Tulip is is sort of devastating when it happens because the whole story, like when we come in, Tulip and Jesse are together and they've been together and it's not, it doesn't feel like they've ever had anything that they've been at odds about. And Tulip, while she is a more or less unpracticed assassin in the comic, there's just this inherent sweetness to her. There's a, a goodness, and you feel you feel that same sort of like she's the perfect girl thing. So you kind of fall in love with her in the same way that Jesse is, uh, and the way that they portray Cassidy is in the the show. And that's not who this character is. They they don't harden her so much, and they certainly emphasize that so much of what she's upset about and what she's trying to do is to get Jesse back because they belong together. Uh, and and Jesse, when he finally gives up on the church portion of it, realizes that, yes, he does belong with Tulip too. So how they portray it going forward may change things. But it was... like I think what they did is they had to up Tulip's strength to make her an equal to where Jesse is. Jesse is a badass, and on top of that, he gets his power. Uh, and he's, obviously, he's the protagonist of the show. But Cassidy is 
a vampire, you know, and is powerful in his own way. So it's trying to make Tulip as equal to them as possible in all of those things. And I don't know that that was really portrayed as much in the comic, uh, certainly not at first. And so getting this background look may give us more of that so that we feel that they're all equals uh, going forward. But again, the show is okay for me. I'm just nitpicking. No, yeah. absolutely. And, and that's going to happen. So, be, final thoughts on the season? Hooray that there's a second season already confirmed. That's the thing. I had, I'm had. i afraid because it was a slow burn. and I enjoy them, slow burns at times. But I know this current generation, well, I'm not old folks, people sitting here. But yes, the attention span isn't that big, even for old fans like us. Would you, would you like and your Metamucil now be uh, their Beatmaster? Say again? Would you like your Metamucil now? Would you like your now? <laughs> Hell, my mom! <laughs> um, yes, I'm really glad, glad it's still in the game. Yeah. yeah. Corey, your final thoughts? Uh... I thought it was a really good season. I think maybe for me it fell apart a little bit in the last episode. Uh, it, it, especially the the beginning, it was a lot of build up. Like they kept counting down to when the the moment was we were going to call God was going to happen. But it seemed like certain things, like the whole Carlos thing, just kind of comes to a head and then dissipates very quickly. It it almost seemed unnecessary. Uh, the stuff with Cassidy in the jail talking to the sheriff and then the sheriff essentially just letting him go. A lot of build up to, but we know in the end it's going to show up everybody shows up at the church. On the other hand, some incredible moments in this series uh, we talked a little bit off air last week I think about the scene in the motel room where the angels kept coming back to life fighting each other and Jesse was in there and then Cassidy comes in and puts the final cap and then they have to start all over again uh, the scene at the opening of the series with Cassidy on the plane the scene with Jesse shooting everybody as they were coming in to take his church away it, it just such great little moments that were never in the comics and show that if nothing else, the people who are making this, whether they're true to the comics or not, can make some really good, cool TV mm-hmm. and did some surprising things that were original with the story that didn't need anything added to it, but the things I think that they added um, were valuable and uh, smart and fun and completely can be canon for me. I'm all right with that. Okay, and uh, so I'm actually going to address something that Beat's saying here of in our chat of one small favorite AMC, drop the subtitles on ours face and turn them on for Cassidy. I say keep them <clears throat> because we're, because I understand our, uh, I understand both the characters, um, but it seems like that's more of a keeping the thing from the comics because they had like the, the uh, gobbledygook of Okay, minor spoiler there. It changes, and they give up on that. And then you have to have learned his syllables and, and all his verbal things. So he had a hard time in the comics as well. Just, okay. Yeah, it's like after a while you start to get Kenny on South Park. 
Like, it's not like they make it any easier, but it just, like, you've watched it long enough that you know exactly what Ken is yeah. saying. Um, but no, so my overall thoughts, um, I enjoyed the show, even with not reading the comic book, or reading very little of the comic book, and it did make me, you know, obviously go out and purchase uh, book one out of Preacher, and it's just, you know, finding time. Hey, I'm unemployed now, I might be able to find time now. Um, to read the comic that I think will be um, the fun part for me. But yeah, so I mean, and again, I can't wait for the second season, um, but I do like where it's at. I do like the summer for Preacher. Like, I think that's a great time because even if I do have a job in the summer, it was one of those things like there's not too much else on so I didn't have to, I wouldn't have to watch it live or watch it the next day even, but I could Not wait. only that, but for atmosphere, Preacher feels like a show that you need to watch when it's ungodly hot out. Yeah. It's just... Like Lucifer. Yeah. I've been sweating balls all day, but I'm going to watch Preacher and it's going to make me feel like I'm right there with them. Yeah, exactly. Um... So, the only thing that's left to be said is, um, we have, uh, with us being here at Galactic Neckhouse, we got bills that need to be paid, um, you know, we got a, you know, we got the, uh, website, domains, the WordPress, the, uh, po- uh Blueberry, all the podcast stuff for uploading, all that costs money, and I'm gonna tell you about two ways that you can help us out. The first, and both of these can be found at gncast.com slash support. Um, the first way is the Patreon uh, campaign, which hey, it's the first of the month. You got your you got billed by Patreon, and that's how we do it. We do monthly charges of you can do as little as a dollar, as much as you want, and donate. That and all of it goes to just keeping the ship afloat. Just yeah, keep, if you want to throw some Warren Buffett money at us, fuck yeah, go ahead. Yeah, do it. rock out. Yeah, we we will. We we are not gonna say hey, don't give us a lot of money. We're going to say, give us as much money as you want, as you can. Um, but if, if you don't want to do that, and that's understandable, um, but you you shop on Amazon all the time, because again, and, th- and this is something that Corey always says, it doesn't change your price on Amazon, but 3%, um, if, you, if you go through gncast.com slash support, then you go to the affiliate link in there, it'll take you to Amazon, and whatever you buy, literally Anything you buy on Amazon, three percent of it comes to Galactic Netcasts. Comes to Dave. That actually varies sometimes. There are certain things where it might be higher. There are certain things where they'll do a promotion on certain products and stuff. And that's not really. It's not like I put the game uh, link in because the game was suddenly going to give us like four percent or five percent over three percent. I put the game in because I thought the game was interesting and that's what I wanted to talk about. But there are certain things like if you sign up for Amazon subscription service for watching the Amazon Prime video, mm-hmm. uh, we would get a different spiff. It's not just 3%. It, it ranks a little bit differently. Yeah. So that may happen. But the point is, is that whatever you do, it doesn't affect things for you. It may affect things for us. But it's just a simple, no-nonsense wanna... way to support the show's without changing anything for you, without charging anything extra on your card, uh, because, you know, out of the goodness of your heart, you you click the link, 
and click through to Amazon as opposed to just going to Amazon.com direct. You want to buy Preacher number one, like I or Preacher book one, like I did here. You can get go through the Amazon or go through the Amazon portal and get it there. And then hey, three percent of this went to Dave to help keep GNCast afloat. That's all we're asking for, folks. Um, and we we want your the feedback. Other thing is, if you want to, if you miss Preacher while it was on, you could pre-order the Blu-ray or. You could stream the episodes through Amazon Video, and each time you stream an episode, that could be giving us a little bit to our support page. So these are all options. There's so much there on Amazon. There's so much there for you, and might help us at the same time. Yep, and we want your feedback. So you can, you can, and there are many ways you can give us feedback. You can shout out your window. We might hear, we might not. Depends if you're my neighbor, or Corey's neighbor, or Beats or Evan's neighbor. Um, but you can contact us by leaving us a voicemail at 805-328-3966 or emailing us mail at elsners.com. And all of our subscription stuff can be found under gncast.com slash subscribe. And you could join our Facebook page under GNCasts. And you could follow the show on Twitter at Elsners or the network at Galactic Netcasts. Our producers, Beatmaster is at Beatmaster80. Evan is at Mr. Underscore Fusion. I'm at that Gregor. You can find all of Corey's stuff that he's not doing for Galactic Netcast over at Don't Ask Comics. And the final thing to say is this has been a Don't Tell Glenn production. We will see you next week. Or else. You have been listening to a production of Galactic Netcasts. For more about this show and others, go to gncasts.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.